0: Okay, so uh, we are live here on LinkedIn, and I have your stuff, so we'll start off. Welcome, everyone, to Accelerate Insider. I'm Dominique Aubrey Morgan, uh, your host, and we are talking with Accelerate MDs about what they've built and how they support uh, building businesses of the future um, and their thoughts on innovation more broadly. So I'm really excited to have uh, Carrie Bowie here today, who's the executive director of the Bajira Project. So, hi, Carrie. Hey, Dominique. Um, so I've worked with Gary for many, many years, uh, so this will be a really fun conversation. And I'm really excited about uh, talking about what you've been working on really, I mean, more broadly across the ecosystem and specifically with Majira as well. Um, folks can go onto your LinkedIn and like learn all about you and they can, you know, Google the site. So I don't want to kind of spend too much time on things that they can easily find, but I would love to maybe just start with um, some grounding around Majira and to maybe just start with, you know, what does Majira stand for? And then how did you come across that name?
1: Yeah, so Majira is Swahili for summer. Uh, and, you know, and what it, what it means or how we use the name is uh, in a nod to the growing season. And so thinking about in an agricultural context, um, you know, a seed or a seedling needs sunlight uh, it needs water, it needs nutrients it needs a uh, you know a pot to be potted in. and so as we were working with startups and small businesses, we thought that they needed in a sense the same thing. Uh, so entrepreneurs and startups they you know our theory of change for the Majira project is around consulting, coaching, connections and capital. And so if we think we give those things to these entrepreneurs and startups, um, you know that's where it comes from and Majura you know, really, you know, comes from um, out of my consulting practice. And Mm -hmm. so I have a consulting practice called uh, Masada Partners and Masada is Swahili for service. Um, I I specifically wanted it uh, to be, have sort of an ethnic uh, piece Mm -hmm. to it and sort of say that because oftentimes in this space, it's, um, you know, working with, you know, people of color, you know, there's this this thing that, you know, it's the, you know, sort of great white hope coming in and helping to fix things. And, you know, one to say, Hey, we're, we're people of color as well. And we have, you know, we're, we're, we're competent. We have, you know, contextual background and sort of the, the, the wherewithal to support uh, these companies as well.
0: And so kind of to your point of kind of what you're building, you know, it's a particular name and actually your whole ecosystem is kind of all based on these Swahili words. So like, where do were you reading a book one day? Like, did you, you know, like how did you how did you come across like this idea and then the theme across all three actually?
1: Yeah. So, and and I think part of the consulting piece was really wanting to to help and, like I said, that service piece. Yeah, uh, it just it just fit, and so actually my Nigerian friends get on me about I was just meeting with one in DC, and he said, you know, why why not something from the EBO you know, or or that space? And I just you know I got into to once I did Masada, uh, it flowed, and actually you know it's you know are a, a minivan that we uh, just launched as well, and it actually has a, a, an M as well, so it's Masada Partners. You know, as a consulting practice, uh, the Majora Project is the uh, nonprofit, industry, you know, agnostic accelerator that you know we're here to talk about uh, mostly today. Uh, but from that, we've also recently launched um, an angel, well, a VC fund uh, called Malika Ventures, and Maleka is Swahili for angel. And the you know reason we called it angel is, you know, I think a lot of the the venture has left uh, uh, venture capital. Uh, and so we want to make sure, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, we're, we're a VC uh, fund and firm, but uh, acting a little bit more like angels to a certain extent of wanting to come, you know, really early, but also to uh, spend a little bit more time and be more uh, involved uh, in the, with these founders, oftentimes because of this accelerator component. You know, we've had time to uh, get to know the Uh, funders to working uh, with them through, you know, multiple accelerators, including uh, the Majira project.
0: And so, so for everyone who's looking for some alliteration words, Swahili is where you go because you were able to find all three of those with an M, right? And so for those who love alliteration, that's perfect. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you talked about kind of what each one does. How do you see this kind of triad that you've really built around services and supports Kind of how do you see this all for you as part of the same whole in terms of your activity and kind of your purpose?
1: Yeah, and and I, you know, I've stumbled across it, you know, and I think, you know, I know we're uh, both involved with like, you know, the NSF National Science Foundation I-Corps program uh, Mm -hmm. through the MIT Uh, node up here. And, you know, a lot of that is about customer discovery. So I think a lot of what I've done over the last seven years is really, you know, just listen to what people have said. And so um, I wasn't planning to start a nonprofit. Uh, You know, I actually, you know, I love nonprofits, but I actually think there are oftentimes too many of them and we probably need more M&A in the space and, you know, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, But, you know, God has a funny sense of humor. So now I'm running 2 nonprofits, Uh, But part of it was, could we do this in a for-profit way? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, partly, you know, Masada came out of, I was working for Mm -hmm. Governor Patrick here in Massachusetts uh, and Governor Baker uh, doing environmental work. My background's in environmental engineering Um, and, you know, doing, you know, global, you know, climate change, greenhouse gases, all that stuff. As I spoke to people in those spaces, they were saying, hey, we need jobs. We need better education, you know, affordable transportation, affordable housing, all of that. And right around that time, uh, 20 that was sort of 2015, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank here in Boston put out a report called The Color of Wealth. And there are two big stats that always stick out to me. It said the average um, you know, net worth of a white family in Boston was two hundred and forty seven thousand. so pretty much a quarter of a million dollars, and the average net worth of a Black family was $8. And so we had the largest wealth gap in the country at the time, and I said, hey, I've got an MBA, I've worked in the private sector, you know what, let me jump out and do that. And I've been doing stuff through MIT's Venture Mentoring Service, I've been mentoring a lot of people, and also not seeing a lot of people who look like me. You know, So I was mentoring young white students and Asian students at MIT, and I'm going, Hey, I love to, you know, uh, work with some people who look like me. And so that's what I did. I jumped out. I said, I'm going to, I led with my heart, not my head. So unfortunately, I had a hobby for a, for a couple of years. Uh, good yeah. thing my wife is a physician <laughs> scientist and was making a lot of money and could, you know, carry me for a couple of years while I uh, figured this out. And and that's sort of what we, we did is we took this um, consulting practice well. And that's sort of, you know, how, uh, the majora project started. Um, you know, that's a, you know, we'll, we'll get into that story, but my plan initially was to, you know, have people pay consulting fees, but they couldn't do that. Uh, mm-hmm. early stage startups, small businesses, you know, they're grinding, they're just trying to make things happen. And so they couldn't, you know, afford me, a you know, the six figure salary I was used to doing. Um, but they are oftentimes the people who need the most uh, support and assistance.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, hundred percent. And I know there's some folks watching, so feel free to drop in your questions as we go um, as well. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about, to your point, Majira and, you know, I mean, I met you about seven years ago, you know, at the CIC. And I remember, you know, Masado, you were doing Masada. I think it was Majira's like first project. Uh, Cohort really, at that time, um, and so and it's really grown and evolved, but I love to understand a little bit more about, like, the initial kind of conception of the idea, so it lo- Madeira looks a lot different than other accelerator programs, and, and it, it might not even be the right terminology to call it an accelerator, you know, maybe it's, it does do some acceleration, maybe it's more a little bit of strategic support, maybe it's in a v- incubation, you know, um, but really, the, a lot of that came from your relationship with BCG, uh, Boston Consulting Group, And so want to just hear from you about how you came up with the concept and then what like kind of what led to this particular manifestation of the idea with with bcg
1: yeah and, and so actually you know and it wasn't even bcg first it was just you know me talking to different folks and i talked to one of my friends uh and classmates so i like i said i went to mit undergrad Uh, but I went to University of Michigan for grad school and then I came back after working in semiconductor uh, I worked uh, uh, did Sloan and so one of my classmates from Sloan actually did undergrad at Michigan and so we've kept in touch and you know watching football games and or you know basketball games and different things and so I was actually at his house you know watching a game and I told him just what I told you I love to work with these companies but we don't have the bandwidth, they can't pay us. And so like, you know, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he pretty much said, Hey, we'd love to help. And, and by we, I was talking to an individual, uh, but at the time he was a managing director and partner at the Boston Consulting Group. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it, came out of that. He said, Hey, you know, we'd love to do that. And uh, his name's Roger uh, Primo. Uh, Roger is uh no longer at BCG, uh, he's actually the, the general manager of corporate strategy at IBM, uh, but he's stayed on as our the vice president uh, yeah. of the board. Uh, but we said let's do it, and so in 2016, you know, after that conversation, we we did a pilot uh, with six companies, uh, you know, for them to do pretty much you know pro bono consulting. Our our sort of idea was you know you know, from a corporate stewardship or citizen perspective, you know, a lot of companies you will do, um, you know, walk for hunger. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, that's great. Habitat for Humanity, that's great. Uh, But it was this whole idea of skills-based volunteering. Why not do what you do really well? Uh, You know, you do strategy and sales and marketing and operations projects, why not do that for someone who will probably never be, you know, one of your clients, you know, and I'm, you know, I've never done a formal BCG engagement, but I'm assuming these are like million dollar plus, you know, engagements in some cases for some of the big fortune 100, 500 companies. So at the very beginning, when we started this, we were talking about, wanting to help manifest and support you know a number of companies just to get to like two million you know in you know arr because here in boston i didn't see that outside of some of the construction firms i couldn't name half a dozen companies led by black and brown people who were doing more than you know two million arr and so that was the initial concept so we've we've grown since then and so some of our companies now can afford BCG engagements, especially coming out of it, uh, and you know they're, you know they're doing more than two million, some of them before they come in, and so it it, it is definitely different in that sense that it's not super early stage. Uh, we're we're going a little bit uh, later because we think that's also also necessary.
0: Well, yeah, I mean if you think back, and I don't, you know, have the the hardest ass on this, but I I kind of want to say I think you were one of the early. Organizations that did this partnership. I mean, now you see McKinsey doing it. We see Accenture doing it, right? But I think so much of that for the last seven years has been really you and BCG, and um, and 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 even inspiring BCG to take that idea and then evolve it as well into some of their own additional programming. But you know, I don't. It wasn't really a thing, you know. A couple years ago i mean normally it was like we'd have mentors that would come to other programs from these companies but not really this integrated approach of, of of leveraging the pro bono um we saw it maybe a little bit in legal i think but not really in consulting so i think you probably did spearhead something without knowing it <laughs> on that day um, um with bcg um as well and and there's some other things you know i want to talk a little bit about the stage of company because i think that's also super unique and some of the services because this, the one thing that I love about Majira uniquely, and, and I work with a lot of accelerators and see a lot around the country, is that most are focused on pre-seed, which is important. Ideation, validation, kind of getting the first MVP out the door, getting to $100,000. Like all these things are super important in the business building process. But there's really nothing, you know, once you've kind of maybe raised a little bit of money, or maybe you've hit a million dollars in revenue or more, there's very little resource. Because, and I think it's because they're seeing that's more competition, right? Now you're like actually kind of out here with some of the big guys and it's like, oh, uh, in startup land and they're like, wait a minute, we don't want to service them too much because then all of a sudden now we, we're losing some competitive edge. Talk to me a little bit about why seed stage and what you've seen that you think is different about what seed stage needs versus maybe pre-seed.
1: Yeah, and, and, I, and I think we, we learned uh, as we went uh through you know once again going back to that whole listening concept i don't think we we plan that i think we we're going hey we will go super early i think one of the things that we learned i think there are i think there are two pieces uh one thing that we learned is super early stage people are just moving and changing and going so fast that it's just you know there's so many pivots that it was really hard to sort of scope out an engagement or or we learned this with some of the first companies that were our sort of guinea pigs. It's like three weeks in and they're like, Oh no, let's change and do this, or let's change and do this. And they were really small. We actually, you know, even early on, we did, you know, solo entrepreneurs, you know, we don't do that anymore. You need to have a full team. And that's not to say I'm not knocking the hustle, not knocking the game, you know, Mm -hmm. we need that, but we think that there are other accelerators or other folk who can work with them. And so in that concept, you know, it's sort of the difference between being a a startup and a company. So I think, Dominique, we're trying to bridge that sort of inflection point Mm -hmm. uh, and go a little bit more into the company. And I think the definition of the way I think of it is uh, startups are searching. They're searching for Product market fit. They're trying different things. They're trying to get traction, then you know, so they can go. Once they figure that out, the game's not over. (laughs) You still need to execute. You need to implement. You need to grow, and you need to scale. And so we're we're more at that. Hey, pass ideation. um, You know, you know what you're doing now. You you're wanting to grow into other markets, or you're trying to bring in other revenue streams. You're trying to sort of nail down your pricing or do things like that. Uh, and that's the, that's the type of stuff that, you know, BCG does uh, for, you know, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. And that just makes it easier for them to transfer as well. Like they've done it for a big company. Now they just do it on, you know, for, you know on a smaller sort of micro scale. Uh, and, and it, 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 you know, it translates mm-hmm. for the early stage startups. Yeah, we it just we, we tried it and we did it and we were like, you know what, this doesn't this doesn't work. You know, BCG can't add as as much value because it's sort of a moving target. Once we can say this is the target, here's what you need to do. I mean, they go and they, you know, they 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 crush it.
0: And this is something. I mean, like we talked about this a lot, right? Because I, I know I work with a lot of founders that are seed stage and above, and it's just like this narrative that we have. That all the all Black founders, you know, they're making cupcakes in their kitchen and they're all doing small businesses and they're not doing tech. But what we find out is like, that's actually not even true, right? We have tons of energy companies, hot tech companies, product companies that are doing massive, you know, in, uh, dollars in revenue or they've raised a seat or even a, an A round that we're just not sharing those stories of success and supporting those folks to grow because we're so hyper, we're hyper focused on this narrative of kind of, we do want to support that other segment, but also this narrative of kind of lack that we don't have all these things and all these resources. So we can't grow and do these things. But actually, we have folks who are doing it against all odds. Right. And we want to make sure we support them as well.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And don't knock cupcakes. I love cupcakes. We've had at least two cupcake companies, you know, Sharonda Cupcake Therapy and the the ladies that whipped uh, Urban uh, Dessert Lab. Uh, And they actually uh, pivoted. And so they were doing cupcakes and then they turned to they're doing vegan ice cream. And, they're, and they're, they're killing it uh, with the vegan ice cream. So we, we, we love it. But you're right. Uh, that's the other piece uh, in here is we're industry agnostic. And we have both a, I would say, sort of a Wall Street and a Main Street mm-hmm. sort of flavor. So we do sort of mom and pop plus one or two or three sort of growth that aren't necessarily tech. But we're also pulling companies out of MIT and Harvard and Babson and, you know, different places that do have a real... Uh, you know, big big tech focus. And so you guys are doing something that's, I think, particularly unique, separate of even BCG,
0: which is already a unique partnership. Um, and particularly because it wasn't, you know, again, I think that we look at the McKinsey's today and so on, they're doing amazing programs. You know, I know a lot of um, Samsung, T-Mobile, all these different folks doing programs. It was really, the impetus was really them inside the organization, right? This was a little bit different. This is really you bringing an idea to BCG and having them adopt that um, and partner with you on that idea. But the other thing that you do that's really unique is that you actually have paid executive coaches, leadership coaches, and paid business coaches. Most accelerators, like 99%, only have mentors, volunteer mentors, right? So talk with me about the decision for why you went that route um, in terms of like having those two kinds of folks and then also why you think they should be paid.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's, well, well, one, I, I think it came about of, and, and we didn't sort of talk about sort of the, the growth and explosion of, sort of the major project. What, what happened is maybe I'll, I'll explain that and that sort of gets to that piece. So, you know, we started in 2016 with six companies and then I think we did eight the next year. And we're like, whoa, that's too many. Yeah, I had two partners uh, at Masada. And so we were we were sort of doing, in addition to the consulting that BCG was doing, and when we did multiple iterations of what that looked like, right now it sort of ends up being let's say on average, like five to eight consultants Mm -hmm. from BCG working. But what we realized is uh, a number of these companies, especially the earlier stage, uh, some of them hadn't, they didn't know what big three strategy consulting firms were or how Mm -hmm. to leverage what they had. And so what we would do is we would sort of my partners and I, we would just do it. And I did the bulk of it. And so I would just meet with the companies and say, well, what, what's going on? Do you have any questions? Can I help you think about what's going on you know, there? And so we did that for like four years. Uh, and then in 2020, the pandemic hit. And so when the pandemic hit, we were like, all right, do we shut this down? What's going on? Because this was all in person. Right. All of these things were, were in person. You know, all the companies in Boston would go meet at BCG's office, I, they moved to the seaport now, but I think they were on like State Street or Congress, you know, at that intersection of state and Congress at the beginning, and they would actually go over and have meetings and and meet with people or just do, do some things via, you know, phone from time to time. Uh, but when the pandemic hit, we, you know, we went Zoom. And then when we went Zoom, we were like, hey, we're not restricted to Boston. If we're not gonna be in person, we can be wherever. And then on the heels of the pandemic, you know, right there was, you know, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. You know, I can sort of go on and on. So there was a lot of, you know, I'll, and I'll just say, it, you know, what I would call white guilt, literally and figuratively. Um, and people were trying to figure out what to do. And so it actually was sort of, you know, while we had these sort of, you know, dual crises going on, you know, it's sort of that whole idea of don't don't waste the crisis um bcg leaned in Mm -hmm. and we we expanded and we added a few more cities i think we added new york and detroit and chicago and i think it was houston or houston or dallas or sort of a combined sort of texas piece and so we we went from just people in boston to now we're in like five cities and so now as we think about this eighth cohort and applications are open now i'll need to drop you know we'll uh, you know, It's just www.majuraproject.org. Uh, you can just apply there. Um, so we moved from, just to give you a sense, we moved from six companies, one BCG office, a couple of dozen BCG volunteers in 2016 to last year. We had over 30 companies. We were in close to 16 BCG offices and we had more than 400. BCG volunteers. So it didn't happen right, right away, but we added cities because I think, like you said, Dominique, um, I think BCG has been able to evolve with us and they learned and they're like, hey, this works. And as more people are doing it, they're talking. And uh, and I, actually, that's one thing I'll I'll add to this. At the beginning, you know, I was like, this is a win, win, win. It was a win for Masada because this really grew out of Masada Partners. This was the way for us to do this work. Uh, In a sense, it was a pro bono arm of of Mm. Masada Partners. Actually, up until just a few years ago. So it wasn't even a formal nonprofit. You know, we became a formal nonprofit uh, Juneteenth of uh, 2020. Uh, And so we'll be three. Actually, I guess we just turned three this past year. you know, you know, Juneteenth, uh, you know, so, you know, I think they, they learned and as people heard it, and I would be places, I was at MIT at a, at a graduation thing, like a couple years ago, and I was meeting with some students and, you, you know, she was saying she was going to, you know, some BCG office and she said, yeah, the, you know, and get to work on the Majura project I was like yeah that's that's cool so it's even mm-hmm. a what we realize is it's it's a win for us it's a win for the companies because they're getting you know pro bono you know consulting from BCG but also from well at the time it was Masada now it's you know Majura because we've mm-hmm. you know got some people to you know be a little bit more uh, on the ground in a sense but i think the biggest winners are actually the the consultants and associates and people at BCG, because oftentimes you know, because we're not. So I, let me let me preface: we're not getting managing directors and partners <laughs> working with these companies in most cases. It's typically consultants. You might get some, you know, project managers, principals, and we have had partners at time, but you know, mm-hmm. that's 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 rare. Uh, uh, you know, I think they will come in and be involved, but you know, this is. Oftentimes, some of the more junior folk, Uh, but those are the folk who are doing the work most of the time anyway, if you think of investment banks and consulting practices. And so they're actually getting to do a little bit, you know, they, you know, more client facing and and things of that uh, nature and getting to see. But I think there's a cultural piece, too, because, Mm -hmm. you know, BCG is not, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know all their diversity statistics and I know they push and do different things, but these teams are not all black and brown consultants. There are others. And I think what we're doing is they're learning, they're getting to interact, especially in this climate that we're in today. They're Mm -hmm. getting to see entrepreneurs who are people of color doing amazing work. And remember, these folk are, you know, some of them are going to become, you know, MDPs, you know, at BCT, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them are going to go and work in, you know, corporate and be in the C-suite. A lot right. of them are going to go and, you know, start venture capital funds or, mm. or or do their own startups, and so I think we're helping them as well, uh, mm-hmm. and I think they're getting a lot out of it, and that's why I think it's it's actually grown within mm. within BCG because it is a it's it's, it's valuable to them as well,
0: mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think well, thank you for sharing that, and so I I want to double back a little bit. I think you kind of shared a little bit of the story of Majira and, and kind of how you got to where you guys are now, but then kind of add that layer in for me about the coaching in terms of the executive leadership and the uh, business coaches and kind of why they are supplemental, why you added them in. And then like also kind of the decision to pay, because I think most programs run on mostly volunteers.
1: Yeah, so, and I'm sorry, thank you for bringing me back. I went off on a, on a tangent, but yes, on the, on the business coach. So that was it. So I told that story to go, hey, when it was six companies, I could handle it and I could check in with them when it's 30 companies. I can't do that. And it's pro bono and it's on the side. So I was like, I don't have time. So it wasn't, it it wasn't just this idea of like feeding into them and giving thing. It was also, we needed to make sure that, you know, they were doing all right. And typically, you know, we asked three questions and this is all the the business coaches in a sense are doing is one, we, we asked, how are you doing? So we try to focus on the well-being of the entrepreneur, their mental health, all of that stuff, just to check on them uh, first. And then we're like, how's it going? And how's it going is how's it going with the company? So you can be sort of an ambassador and help them think about stuff. But also, how's it going with the BCG teams? So we've learned, you know, we've had it on both sides. You know, BCG teams are, you know, they have paid clients. And so we know that the paid clients come first. And so Mm -hmm. this is done in what they call their magic time. And Mm so every now and again, maybe the team was staffed the wrong way and everybody got sucked into something. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you know, they got ghosted. And so if we didn't have somebody checking in, you know, the the entrepreneurs might go, hey, you know what, I'm not going to make a fuss. This is not. Paid, it's you know, it's sort of that I'm from Alabama, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, you know, like like, hey, this is free. I, you know, I right? and so when we have somebody checking in, we're like, no, that's not what this is. You are the client. Let us work with our contacts at BCG and we'll fix it. And we do the same thing. We've had, you know, sometimes an entrepreneur will go missing. You know, it's, you know, and we've learned, you know, right around sort of Black Friday and sort of that Thanksgiving time, especially the retail companies we've, we've recognized over the last few years, you know, to make sure we manage that because they, you know, they get sort of bombarded and we try to make sure we, but we've learned that and, you know, learn how to track folk down and, and do that piece. So I think it's, in, it's not just, you know, them sort of giving some, okay, I think this, I think that we wanted them to really be checking in and if their issues get back to us. And so I think the paid piece is one from an accountability piece and also the other pieces. There's too much stuff, I think, especially in the black and Brown space that's extractive that, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a black tax, you know, Mm -hmm. that I'll say that is out there. And, and one of the things that we have tried to do and it's not always, but I've tried to have a lot of, you know, black and brown coaches, and we try to curate and and, and mix them. But even if they're not, because all of our coaches aren't. We have you know white guys, white women, you know, you know, Asian, Indian. All, all. all if we sort of have everybody, um, I think it's people value a little bit more what they what they pay for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, or or what they're getting paid to do. And so that that's that piece. And then on the other side of the business coaches. And this is, I think one of the really great learnings that we, we've got is the leadership coaching has been amazing. And we haven't given everybody a leadership coach because we haven't had the funding actually BCG. In addition to all the pro bono work that they do, they actually give us funding to support uh, the business coaches. So they, they, they do that. We actually do the, executive leadership coaches ourselves on the Majura side. And so we've just been piloting and typically doing it with um, women of color uh, founders. We've had others, but we started there because of that sort of intersectionality. Uh, And what we realize is, you know, that's very different. You know, they may be doing some type of assessment. You know, there's a lot of like, really, they have sort of their piece that they do. You can't ask somebody to do that for free. You know that that mm-hmm. is that is too much work to do, you know, over like a four or five month period, sort of checking in, you know, a couple times a month, you know, thirty minutes or an hour at at times. So so we wanted to give them, and 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 we still don't think we're giving them enough, <laughs> you know. We're just, but we're giving them a stipend uh, mm-hmm. uh, to sort of cover some of their costs and cover their time. And, and we've definitely have had some people, you know, a lot of a number of the coaches that I have tapped because we've just sort of done it organically. Some of my Sloan classmates and some of them were like, no, we don't you don't have to pay me. We still pay them. And we're like, hey, you can give it back to us if you want. We're a nonprofit. So we'll yeah. take it back if you want to give it to give it back to us. But, but we, we, we want to value your time.
0: So we did have a question from the chat. So someone asked. Are the check-ins only with startups? Are the same questions asked to mentors and to the paid coaches?
1: Hmm. So we, we don't do, we, we actually have uh, check-ins uh, with the coaches. So we do do that on a monthly period. We share uh, lessons learned and best practices. Uh, Kimberly uh, wei Chang is our director of operations. She's actually was out on, uh, maternity leave and she's, she's uh, moving on to another role in product management, but she did a really good job the last couple of years uh, helping us to really structure uh, the, the, the business coaching and the leadership coaching. And I, and I was, and I, I will, I will give a, a shout out. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been a consultant here in Boston for the social innovation uh, forum and so it is a, a program that works with what they call uh, social innovators or EDs of uh, of nonprofits and so in doing that consulting work uh, they actually after the consulting piece they actually bring on executive coaches so I got to meet a handful of these uh, executive leadership coaches as I uh, transitioned uh, some of my social innovators and in doing so, got to see what they were doing and how they supported these nonprofit leaders. And I was like, all this stuff needs to happen with these for-profit leaders too. They need this work. So actually the, our first crop or the first handful of coaches, I just, you know, grabbed some of those folk who were doing it on the nonprofit side and said, hey, would you be interested in doing this with some, you know, you know, for-profit startups? And they said, yes. And they've actually helped us to craft it and go, hey, what is leadership coaching. Hey, this is not therapy. This is, it is coaching. It is this, and it should look like this, and this is how it should feel. And so this has all been an iterative process, uh, but we do check in and we, I'm, you know, the engineer in me is all about continuous improvement and feedback uh, and really just, you know, refining uh, all of the programs. And
0: so I think, you know, you talk a lot about, and I think through so far in the conversation, you've talked a, little, a lot about kind of the different things you've been involved in and um, and kind of the, the questions that you're asking when you meet with companies. So, you know, I'm going to say very loudly and proudly, which I think you'll agree, is that you are a relationship guy. <laughs> I think that is really kind of, um, you know, a core tenant, of kind of your belief in your approach. And so can you just talk with me about, you um, and also, I'd maybe say it's also what makes a great MD uh, or executive director in general. We see across most accelerators that the strongest accelerators have the best network that the executive director can de- you know, deploy and, and provide access to for their companies. And I think you are the king of relationships and have millions of them um, in a sense. So um, I would love to kind of get, you know, if you could talk with me about the power of relationships and why you spend so much time cultivating them.
1: Yeah, and I think it's super important to, to be, you know, relational versus transactional. And there, there are places where you it's, it's transactional and, and things like that. But I think in this uh, space, this innovation and entrepreneurship space, it's, I think it's really about relationships. And you never know, you know, how things are going to happen. You know, like I said, you know, my personal relationship with Roger it's sort of what led to this. You know, we're hanging out, watching a football game. I'm telling him sort of my concerns and issues. And we're like, we got this pilot. Seven years later, you know, this thing is is growing. You know, I just talked about uh, Kimberly. And Kimberly came to me because of a relationship I have with, uh, I don't know if you know Lucas. Uh, Lucas mm-hmm. Turner Owens. Uh, and Lucas was here doing work. And I got to know Lucas and we would stay in touch and still stay in touch. And Lucas sent Kimberly, my way, she was talking to him about things. And, you know, she actually shadowed, you know, me for a little bit. And then we actually, you know, brought in, uh, you know, funding, uh, actually through one of our, uh, you know, cohort alumni, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Marcus Wilson at Noble, Uh, you know, they, you know, they're one of those companies that actually has money, you know, to 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 pay BCG, you know, to, you know, consulting fees. And so they actually gave us back a, a huge chunk of, of of funding early on that allowed us to grow this, uh, you know, to grow this program uh, and to do that work. And so, you know, I think that's uh, super important. And even as we think about the entrepreneurs in the program, I, I sort of think the partnership between, you know, Majura and BCG, you know, we think about sort of the jockey and the horse
0: mm-hmm. sort of
1: approach. And so I think, you know, they're working on the business, you know, for the most part, you know, BCG is, like I said, it's a strategy project or sales and marketing or operations. They're thinking about something to grow the business. But what we're doing is thinking about the, you know, the, the entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, because entrepreneurs you know, businesses come and go. Entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs, and they hustle and they do different things. And you know, I'll, I'll say that I learned this through the MIT Venture Mentoring Service. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, team mentoring, but the focus is to support that student or you know undergraduate or graduate student or postdoc or faculty or alum person. Support them. Uh, don't worry as much about the company. Yeah. You'll, we'll give feedback on that, but we do that. So I think that's, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the sweet spot here is we can do that. And I look, and I'll turn this on you, you know, Dominique, perfect example. You came through this program with, you know, all yoga pants and Aubrey and, you know, you do, so you are a, you're a hustler, you're an entrepreneur. And so, you know, I support you not just through the Majira project, but through you've supported Masada. You're actually helping us now with Majura, You know the growth founder all the different things that you're doing. Um, it's it's about it's about your company. You know this would have you know cut on a long time ago.
0: No, and I think you're right about that, and I think that's something that I think you've done amaz- amazingly well, and. And I think a lot of folks kind of say what you, what you say, but they don't necessarily do what you do, right? And so I think, uh, and, and I say that in the sense of, there's a lot of founders who are part of groups and communities and accelerators where, yeah, you know what, they, they were in the program, they connected with folks, but if they don't reach out to that MD or if they don't follow up in a month or two or six months, it's out of, out of sight, out of mind, right? And so I think you've done a really good job of keeping in touch with folks, checking in with folks, um, even at an alumni level, that I think is pretty unheard of um, across the space. And I think it just speaks to like the deep commitment to the work and the people, right? Um, not just the company, which I think gets lost a lot in kind of startup land and kind of all the cover of growth and all these different things and, and adding value and if it's worth my time and all these things and not saying that like, life is long. People have many iterations, they go through many journeys. And so, just because it might not be the now moment doesn't mean it's not um, a time or space to cultivate relationship um, for the long term, right? I think I think you speak to that um, a lot, and and I think with that I, I want to pivot into the future of Madeira, which is really uh, kind of also really important for the, for this call. And so we've been working for a couple of months with you, you know, on the strategy. And I just I think you know maybe at the highest level and we'll ask a couple more questions about this, and then. Again, folks, if you have questions, please jump in here. Um, but looking ahead, you know, like what are your aspirations and goals for the future with Majira? Also, given everything else that you're doing, um, you know, and you know, and, and kind of the initiatives that you're involved with, you know, how do you see this fitting in? And kind of what do you want to see it become?
1: Yeah. So, so I think a couple things. One, just going back to that sort of origin story you know, this came from wanting to, to help. And I think that goes back to what you were saying before. I think one of our values at Majira is we care. And, and we really, we really care. I care about the black and brown community. I want them to succeed. And so because of that, uh, you know, we're going to do everything that we can do and leverage the uh, the, the resources uh, that, that we have uh, to do that work. So in terms of thinking about You know, growth, this was all organic. It went from sort of pro bono, you know, arm of my consulting practice to, you know, a 501c3. Actually, we were our fiscal agent. So Melissa Bradley at 1863 Ventures, she was our fiscal agent uh, up until earlier this year so you know shout out to Melissa for for helping us along the way because we were like okay we need to do this how do we bring in funds we're not set up fully we don't have the IRS side of this so now we're you know uh, you know full fledged you know 501c3 uh, but but that's a you know relationships you know that's i met Melissa 5 6 years ago maybe you know on Martha's vineyard at mm-hmm. Crystal Johnson's event and Crystal i met through Um, uh, You know, uh, uh, through Mosaic Genius, but I I got to Mosaic Genius through being on the board of the Black alumni of MIT. And Chris Rose, Dr. Chris Rose, who's a professor at Brown, his wife is in the philanthropy space. And we were at a barbecue. And she was like, I was telling her some of the things I was thinking. She was like, you need to come to Crystal's event. And so once again, it's all these relationship pieces that make Mm -hmm. things happen. But pretty much to answer your question. Actually, I want to formalize this in a sense, almost like what we're saying with the companies. We were a startup. <laughs> you know, we, we, even though it's seven years, it's really the last three years sort of post pandemic when mm-hmm. this thing blew up. And so I think we're trying to move out of the startup phase to be more operational and sustainable and all that. Uh, because what I'm realizing is I can't, do all that alumni follow-up if I'm, if I'm paying coaches, <laughs> if I'm doing, like if we don't have the infrastructure to do the things, because, you know, we're, we, we're, we've we done this on a really shoestring budget and just, you know, we've been operating like we're still the pro bono, you know, you know, arm of my consulting practice. So, you know, really excited to like, you know, stop, like after seven years and go, hey, let's do an assessment. And so thank you and, you know, Simone for for helping us do that. Uh, and 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 next, you know, actually bringing on some people to help because I can't do it by myself. So, uh, you know, really happy that uh, another, you know, farmer alum, uh, Khadija uh, Robinson is, mm-hmm. you know, coming on as a, you know, right now as a part-time COO to really help pull this stuff together. And if you don't know Khadija, she's amazing. Uh, I can't remember where Khadija did undergrad. I think Howard or, or Hampton, but she did Harvard Law School. But she started a company called Denialist uh, mm-hmm. to really aggregate black and brown businesses. And, uh, you know, her, her company was uh, acquired by Diddy. And Mm -hmm. so she, she got acquired and then she ran his piece. And, you know, I saw a a post that she said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, you know, going to take some time and figure out what's next. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. I was like, let me call Khadija. She would be, she'd be great because the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side of 50 Mm -hmm. and I like doing the work. I'm not great at telling people about it and, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, just saying, so it's great that we're, we're doing this, but, you know, I'm just trying to do the work. And so I think, you know, thinking more of a social media presence of telling the amazing stories of what our entrepreneurs are doing and the things that are, are happening with them. I think there's a huge opportunity to do mm-hmm. that right now. And we've got really, really good bones because like you said, we've been doing this for a for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so we just now, if I can put the operational thing. So that's what I want to do. I'm looking at, you know, how can I eventually move out and really be just more chair of the board. And that Mm -hmm. other piece, when I talked about Malika, leaning more into the funding side of it, because Mm -hmm. that's a piece that I look at now is, you know, sort of like that, you know, I, you know, could have had a V8, you know, if we had invested in these companies Mm -hmm. way back when we'd be making a, you know, we we could actually sustain the program probably now from doing that because yeah. if we look, we we haven't gotten the last sort of survey back, but I would imagine that our companies have raised, you know, somewhere in the, you know, seven hundred and fifty million or close to a, a billion dollars
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: that they that they've raised, and you know, definitely generate, you know, because we work with over a hundred and, you know, we work with 128 companies. through those first seven accelerators, you know, I I know they've created at least a thousand jobs, probably closer to 2,000 jobs, if not more. Uh, And so, you know, there's there's sort of a lot of impact in that that scale. Uh, And we haven't done as good a job of connecting them collectively as well. So we're trying to do more of that. And I think with some additional staff we can do that in a in a in a more sustainable way to really unlock all the value that's in the sort of community part uh, of the cohort.
0: No, for sure, and I think we have one another question in the group, and I have maybe two more questions to close us out here. But so the question was: In addition to honing the skills and resilience of the entrepreneur, what else do you try to pay close attention to when it comes to the impact? Majira Project fosters and the ecosystem it operates in.
1: Yeah, so so I think there's a you know a, a piece uh, that you know so helping out the entrepreneurs and supporting them, but also how are we you know supporting the community. So if if we think about sort of our our overall vision and mission, so we're trying to close the racial uh, wealth gap. Um, and, and we, you know, what I always tell when we open up, is I say, I think there are three ways to do that. Uh, one is education, education, however, is a long play and that is not necessarily my, my forte. I think next, um, you know, after education is home ownership. And so, you know, and, I've done a little bit, Yeah, you know, I, I used to do brownfield development. So I know real estate developers and, you know, I could, I, I, I know enough to be dangerous, but that's not really, you know, where it is. And there are other people who do that where we're working is in the entrepreneurship space. And so we think of really, this is really community development through entrepreneurship. Uh, and so we think if we can support um, and, and, and I will admit, we're sort of skimming the cream you know, in and going with the later stage companies, but we're going now if we can help them, they can help a lot of others. Because we think that black and brown entrepreneurs oftentimes tend to hire more black and brown folks. So from a workforce development piece, there's that. But if we can make them millionaires and hopefully there's some unicorns and we can make a you know a billionaire or two out of this, you know, they give back to the in their communities. They give back to their you know, faith organizations, you know, they, you know, tie at their churches or do it. But the other piece is they fund people running for campaigns, you know, and, and and all of that stuff is super important. And I think that's, you know, so we try to foster that piece, too, that this mm-hmm. is not the, the reason we do we're doing it is not to make individuals like uber wealthy. Mm mm-hmm. We say that this is community development through entrepreneurship. So we believe that these entrepreneurs um, sort of have an obligation to give back. And I think that's a piece that we do too, is try to look at that. And and this is, we didn't talk about this, uh, Dominique, but we, we are no fee, no equity, but in our memorandum of agreement or understanding, we ask that the entrepreneurs consider, you know, giving back their time, their talent, their treasure and so once they make it you know you know don't don't forget about a brother (laughs) like 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 uh, you know come back or and we always you know before they have the money we have them come back in to speak so it's a lot easier for us to have panels because you know now we got like 128 companies that have gone through the program so we can go find people to be a part of programs and it's also an opportunity to connect them with other people who are coming through the program. So as this new cohort comes, we can get them to go, oh, you know what? You should go talk to this company because they've done that. or they. And so we're building that piece. And so I think, Dominique, the biggest piece is codifying all of that infrastructure. A lot of it mm-hmm. has been in my head. And so how we now, you know, we, we use HubSpot as our CRM. And so even, you know, I'll even go there some of the relationship piece of that, um, you know, Mark Roberge and Mike Volpe, uh, who were the, what were they? The, the, the you know, VP of sales and marketing at HubSpot when it IPO are actually friends. You know, I know them, they've come in and spoken, you know, to the, to the cohort, you know, they've, you know, uh, you know, supported, you know, spoken to companies they've got, you know, Mark has a fund. I've introduced him to people. You know, Vopi was one of the first investors, not investors, donors to the Majira project. So those are the types of, you know, things going back to the relationship. But uh, we really want to just operationalize and codify this thing uh, so it can just continue. Uh, and and also so it's not about me. Uh, I can sort of, you know, move out and, and actually have more of those one on one conversations uh, with alumni that, you know, that's what I really love to do uh, mm-hmm. versus doing all the operation stuff. Yes, that is 100% accurate, Carrie. <laughs> yes, uh, your relationship and yes, and, and, and Kenesha will
0: be amazing. And also shout out to Simone Seymour, who supported a lot of the work with the strategic planning for Majira, to your point, really for codification for sustainability and then looking at growth in the future, I think is what our strategy was. And um, I think it's the plan has come out beautifully and brilliantly in terms of what's really needed to do the work really well and really deeply. I think you've done amazing work as an individual, Um, but that can be taxing. And there's, you know, and and to your point, you're moving to a kind of a new season. The organization is growing up and really needs some more formality um, as the engagements are growing and getting more complex, the companies are getting bigger. There's more BCG engagement. Um, there's more partner engagement, and so it just is requiring kind of a, a fresh kind of coat of paint, in a sense, to really kind of take it to the to the next stage. And so, um, kind of, we have one more question here before we close out, which is: in each of the cities that Majira operates in, is there any collaboration with higher ed institutions in those
1: cities? I would say. There probably is, but it hasn't been intentional. So, <laughs> so, so I, so I think um, that is probably something as we sort of think about, you know, having somebody thinking about, you know, partnerships, uh, really sort of doing that. And and one of the things that we did do, uh, you know, good question in the sense of the cities where we are and and where we've typically grown, uh, and even sort of the entrepreneurship innovation ecosystem. You know, usually where we are, there's a large black or brown population. There's typically a BCG office. And there typically is an academic uh, institution there. And so we probably have not done the best job of fully tapping that. I think it's happened organically uh, to a sense with some of the speakers and people that we've brought in and some of the things that we've done. So, you know, myself being a dual MIT alum, Clearly, I've, you know, there's a strong MIT influence, but I don't know if we've done anything, you know, formally with uh, any of the programs, uh, you know, there uh, with the Majora project uh, proper. Uh, but, you know, I know some of the, uh, actually, I'll have to call out Walter Diaz. He's the, the, the point person, uh, you know, on on the bcg side and so he's a harvard and hbs guy i know some of the folk coming out of the program have also you know matriculated into programs at hbs uh you know at harvard and so we we've done that i don't know if it's formal uh but i do think it's something as we think about moving forward uh and and have more sort of program managers on the ground or community managers that we can actually go and do that so we can sort of replicate Sort of what we've done in Boston. So I think we've done it in Boston, but haven't formalized it. But I think there definitely is an opportunity to do it in
0: yeah.
1: Atlanta and Dallas and Houston and San Francisco and Chicago, Detroit, Minneapolis, you know, Seattle, you know, all of these other places where we are. Yeah, I think, and this, I think, speaks to the
0: partnership play that we've already, we've talked about a lot around the next iteration of Majira, getting some ground game going to build into relationships and partnerships to support companies where they are, and that the virtual connection of network of BCG is amazing, but they're al- also having that balance of what's happening in my kind of regional or local ecosystem to support the business is also really important. And part of the strategy for sustainability and for growth is starting to build more depth of resource and network in those in those areas, I think. Um, so that, to me, is going to be hugely empower- powerful for these communities uh, And and, and added to Jira. Okay, so last, last closing question here for Terry. So you are from Alabama. So, tell me, do you consider yourself an alabamian or a Bostonian since you've been in Boston now for twenty years or so? Oh
1: man, you didn't tell me you were gonna ask this one <laughs> i'm 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 torn uh, i I'm, I'm always you know you you can take the uh, uh, the the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. I'm always going to be a southerner uh, mm-hmm. and I always have that, and that's gonna be there but I you know, I think it was a number of years back that you know, the balance flipped to I've lived more in Boston uh, than anywhere else. And, and you know, my wife's a Harvard person. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not going anywhere. We're, we're going to be in Boston. I, I, I know that. And so that's why I also think that I leaned in to mm-hmm. a lot of these things here because I knew I was going to be uh, rooted here. And
0: mm-hmm. so that
1: allows me to do things. So I am, a, you know, and, and actually uh Mayor Curtitone would say I'm a, a villain. I'm actually from Somerville, just, 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 I live in Somerville, just north of, of Boston. But okay. like the, the whole greater Boston metro area is such an amazing uh, place. There's just yeah. so much stuff that's going on. There's so much history. There's so mm-hmm. much culture. There's so much innovation and entrepreneurship uh, that it, it'll it, it, it be tough to, to leave. So I, I, I am a Bostonian now. When I was born and bred in Bama. <laughs> there,
0: there you go, there you go, yeah. And being from New England myself, I can I can attest to that. Boston, it's hard to beat Boston for the research and the intellectual capital alone, some of the smart people in the world. And so, you know, if you're trying to build something with smart people, um, if you're black and brown, it's definitely the place to go to college and, and work. And then you can always go fundraise in San Francisco and New York. I tell people, but getting some some good folks from Boston is is, is always a plus because um, they will be they will be super helpful in the journey as well. Um, so thank you so much, Carrie. Um, any last words before we close out today?
1: No, just uh, to say, uh, you know, for uh, for this, and if people are interested in any of the facets of what we're we're doing. You know, we're at, you know, uh, you know, if you're interested in being a, a coach or a mentor, what we do is I think we have a mentor uh, piece there. And then you know, as we get to know people and we see that it might make make sense. Uh, we bring people in as, as coaches because we want to curate we want to make sure we know uh, that it's a good fit uh, before we do it but you know if you want to sponsor if you you've got no, any, need you got we do
0: direct it, call out like hey, it, we're
1: fundraising it, if you
0: want to sponsor or donate to Majira, <laughs> if you want to be a partner service provider partner but we you know if you want to uh, you know crowdsource your donation with a group of other alums if you want to Support a track, whether they're climate or retail oriented. There's tons of things that you can do to participate with Majira. They are a force. They're going to be they're nationwide and growing every day. Um, And so it's it's definitely. what do you call it, the, uh, the, hook to, the the cart to hook your horse to or whatnot, I think, that's
1: whatever that term is, I don't know. hit, hit, your, hit your wagon to a storm. hit your
0: wagon to something, right, okay, yeah. hit your wagon to something. I think Majira is, a, is, is something to hit your wagon to and participate in and show up um, in a lot of great ways. So any partner, I think we'd love to hear from you and through the website, as, as Carrie noted as well.
1: Anything cool. else? Awesome. No I, th- no, I think that's it. You know, it's and and I think the other piece. I, I will make one last plug. You know, I'm an environmental engineer by by training, and so um, of that 128 companies, about 20 percent of them were in the clean energy, uh, climate tech, food, water, and actually that actually led me to remember I said I was doing two nonprofits. You know, I launched another nonprofit called Browning the Green Space, but that really spun out of the work that I was doing at Majira, just mm-hmm. recognizing that there's so much going in climate. So I know we're at the hour mark, so I'll leave it at that. And oh,
0: yeah we'll have a whole other call about Brian the Green Space in the future too, because that's also an accelerator and also the work you're doing with Greentown Labs. like there's a lot of other stuff that's going on, right? I think that that is important for people to know about because there's new accelerators every day and the biggest thing I tell folks is like know what you're getting know your purpose for joining an accelerator or program mm-hmm. look at the MD understand the MD's capacity skill knowledge network to support your business journey and of course look at the resources that it also provides because there's a lot of programs out here and they all can provide different things it's not good or bad but just understanding what you're supposed to get from that is a really important part um, of the ecosystem because there's so many programs available now and folks are doing a lot of them. Um, and sometimes some are moving the needle, sometimes they're not moving the needle. So we want people to hitch, again, hitch their cart, hitch whatever you just said.
1: Hitch, to the, hitch your wagon to a store. Hitch storm. your
0: wagon to the right thing. So I think hitching your wagon to Majira is, is the right thing. And even Brian, the green space and the work you're doing there, I think we want to talk about too.
1: Yeah. And, and as you're closing on that, I think that's the big piece too, as we listen to people. And that also goes to that funding piece is, you shouldn't have to do seven, eight, nine, ten 10 accelerators. Something's wrong. And so, you know, it should be like, you know, 3 to 5 sort of max. And then you need to begin to that execution and sort of growing phase. And so that's sort of what we're trying to work on is, you know, getting it right. I think we've got some things right. So, you know, sort of, you know, nail it a little bit before you scale it. And so I think we, we're sort of to that you know, it's not completely nailed, but it's close. So we can now start to think more about scaling it and growing it even more and just making it more sustainable. So thank you, Dominic, And thanks uh, to everyone who listened in.
0: Yes, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Accelerator Insider, where we talk to MDs about how they think about the future and build businesses. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.